right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in God's house? Come on, I'm so thankful that you're in church today and you're in the right place, the right time. And I uh, want to look into the camera and just welcome everybody who's also with us on the other side today. Maybe you're at our 430 service or watching on demand or, or at some point in the future. We're just so glad you're with us today. Come on, church family. Let's put our hands together like never before. Welcome everybody on the other side. Glad you're part of our church family. And I, I want to just uh, mention something off of that Convoy of Hope video that you just saw. You know, we, um, today is the first Sunday of the month. We call it a, a tithing weekend for us, a tithing Sunday. And what that just means for us is that for those of you who call City Hope home and, and, and you've kind of locked arms with a vision of what's happening here, we bring our first and our best on the first Sunday of the month. And, and part of, I want you to know, part of every dollar you give goes outside of the walls of this church. At least 10% of every dollar that's given goes out of the walls to ministries and partnerships like Convoy of Hope, who is right now boots on the ground in, in that area where uh, Florida was devastated by, the, uh, by Hurricane Adalia. And so uh, we're not showing that video because we need you to give. We're showing it because you've already given. You've already made a difference, and we've already partnered. We've got boots on the ground right now that are making a difference there. And that's your, it's your generosity that's really making that happen. And I just wanted you to see a little bit about uh, that ministry that we support with your, with, with your tithes and your offerings. And I'm so thankful that we are able to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're in part one of a series that we're calling Counterculture. And I'm going to kind of lead you in that direction in a moment. But I want to take just a couple of minutes and I want to share where we're headed in, in terms of where we're going this fall, give you some vision, some points of clarity for us because uh, I, I need you to know where we're going. I need you to know the vision of the house because if you don't know it, the Bible says, if you can't see clearly what God is doing, you'll stumble. You'll actually stumble. If you don't know what God's up to, you'll stumble all over yourself. It's kind of like hitting, stubbing your toe at, at, when, you, when you're up at night, right? Come on, that's never fun. But when we can see clearly, when, when we attend to what he reveals, when God shows us something and we go all in, that's when we are the most blessed. And how many of you want to be most blessed? Come on. I, I don't want to just be, I don't, I don't want to be like patty cake blessed. I want to be most blessed. I, I want the blessing of God on my life. And the way I get it is when I attend to what he reveals, when I lean into what he's saying. And so I want to give you some, some direction that we're headed for the fall. And then I want to just remind you of some of our vision, all right? And so a couple things that I want to mention is that next Sunday... We are kicking off brand new service times next Sunday, all right? So everything shifts back 45 minutes. The 8 o'clock, 8.15 crowd goes to 9 o'clock, and I'm asking all of them to stay in that service. And then this service, um, it, it, we're, we're moving it back to 10.45, and I'm asking uh, maybe 150, 200 of y'all to go to the 9 o'clock, all right? Y'all come on up to 9 because it's going to be early enough for you to do that at that point. Hopefully, all right, hopefully it's going to be early enough for, right? And then, and then uh, the rest of y'all stay in that 1045 service. And then the 1145, I'm asking them to stay in 1230 because we're just trying to move. We're just trying to uh, uh, kind of uh, level out our services. This service and especially our 1145 are at capacity. 
So we've got to make room for everybody who's not here yet. And then those of you at our 4.30 service, we're actually discontinuing. We're not going to offer that service anymore at 4.30. And it may be something that comes around for special events and things like that. But we're asking all of you at 4.30 to uh, choose a service on Sunday morning. If, if, if it's at 9 o'clock or 10.45 or uh, 12.30. But find a service that you can go to there. And, uh, and but here's why we're doing it. It's because heaven and hell is real. And we're going to do everything we can short of sin. We're, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make some decisions. We're going to change service times just because it's not about us. It's about the people who aren't here yet. All right, everybody? It's about the people who don't know Jesus Christ yet. And so that's next weekend, September 10th, we kick that off. And then uh, our next series after the one that we're kicking off today is called Generosity Unleashed. It's about living in the overflow. And I don't know about you, but God has a plan for your life. And, and God, God loved us so much that he gave. And part of what he's asking us to do as, as a church is, is to also return that back to him. We're going to come into this series. It's going to be a fun series to be a part of. And then at the movies, our favorite, one of our favorite series of the year. Come on. Anybody like that one? At the movies. The, any series this fall is going to be a great series to invite your friends to, but this one especially is going to be uh, so easy to get your friends to come to church with you, have them sit next to you, maybe friends who are far from God, friends who uh, don't know God. It's the 19th through the 6th, and then uh, if you've been to City Hope for a while, if you've been around a while, you know that we usually do a series called, uh, or not a series, but we do a, one special offering a year in the month of December called Legacy. We're actually going to push that back to February of 2024, and I'm going to tell you more about that later, but I'm telling you now, we're pushing that back. And then Christmas Eve services. Can you all believe we're already thinking Christmas Eve, right? And the great thing is Christmas Eve this year is on a Sunday, so we're going to add two Saturday night services that particular weekend. We'll do two Saturdays. We'll do our three normal Sunday morning services and uh, we'll celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be an awesome time. You're not going to want to miss that. All right, so that's where, we're, that's where we're headed this fall. But I need you to know that God, God never intended you to just do a bunch of stuff, right? He always intended you to have a vision for your life, to have a purpose for your life. That's, that's always been his intent. And so the way we've learned to say it is four simple steps, that God has four simple steps for every one of us. And it's actually the vision of our church. You can see it out in the lobby. That is that we would know God. That's the first thing that God wants for you. That's the first blank in your note there. Just write that down. That God wants me to know him. To have an intimate, personal relationship with him. And if you don't know him, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service today. Right? Or maybe you do know him. Maybe you're one of the 554 people who've said yes to Jesus Christ this year at City Hope. Come on. If you're one of those people... I'm proud of you. That's awesome. But you've got a next step, and that's water baptism. Today, right after the service, be water baptized. The second step is finding freedom. That's the second part that God wants for you, is that you would find freedom from your past. Find freedom from the thing that's holding you back, from the thing that you know if it wasn't in your life, your life would be better. Get free of that thing. And the way we do that is through small groups. We launched small groups last week. There's plenty of time for you. There's still time this week for you to get in a group. Search the directory. If you don't know which group to get in, go to Freedom. Come on, where are my Freedom people at? Get in a Freedom group because it, it's a next step for you, all right? 
And then the third thing God's always wanted for you is that you would discover the purpose that he has for you, that you would understand why he created you. Why did God put you on this earth? It wasn't to take up space and breathe his air. Come on, somebody. It was, it, it was for so much more. He has a purpose for your life. And the way we help you discover that is through the growth track. Today's step one of the growth track. If you want to know, why am I here? What does God want from me? Go to the growth track today. Find out what he has for you so that you can live your life making a difference. And that's, where, that's what God wants for every single one of us. God has always wanted your life to, just, to be more than just going through the motions. God wants you to live your life making a difference for eternity. He wants you to be able to say, I was made for this. Like to find out what he has for you and to, to live your life saying, I was made. I was made to do this thing. I was made to live this kind of life. I was made to make an eternal difference. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. You have a next step. Amen, everybody? There is something that God has for you. There's a next step he has for you. And so I don't know which one it is for you. I want you to figure that out and take that next step today. Don't, the, the best time to do it is now. Like not, not next week, not next month, not next year. Here's my promise to you. If you will give God a year of your life, if you'll do these four steps, if you'll get in a relationship with him, if you'll get in a small group, if you'll go to the growth track, get on the dream team, I'm telling you, your life will be completely different 365 days from now. If you believe that, come on, say amen with me. And let's give God praise for that. Life change. It's happening. That's who we are. That's our vision. That's what we want for you. So take some steps. Take some next steps. But we're in this series. We're, we're starting off a new series today called Counterculture. And uh, the reason we're, we're uh, in this series is because we're living. I just felt like we needed to do this series because we're, we're living in a culture that is clashing with our values. That's a good place to say either amen or oh me. Either one would be appropriate right there. Is it, we're, we're in a society that is questioning what we believe. It's questioning the values of Christianity. And sometimes you might find yourself in life going, it's just easier for me to cave. It's just easier for me to believe like everybody else. It's just easier for me to, to just not believe the way that I do. It's easier for me to not take a stand for what I believe in. But if we all do that, everybody, then where are the Christians? Come on, where, where are the Christians if we all cave to the culture? Amen? And, and so... In today's message, what I want to do is I really want to show you how to have truth and grace, that it's possible to do both of these, that it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both truth and grace. Now, there are some churches in our world and some churches in our community even who, man, they all, they all about the truth, right? You, you got to stand for the truth, glory to God. If you don't stand for the truth, you'll fall for anything. Right? That's, that's, that's kind of the message. You've got to stand for the truth. You've got, you got, you got to put people in their place. You've got to stand up for what's right. Right? <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> or brother. I don't know. Could be it. But then, so there's some churches, it's all about the truth. But then there's some churches, some churches, it's, it's all about that grace. About that grace. No devil. You know what I'm talking about? All about that grace. Oh, sure, you can do that. You can live that way. God doesn't care. It's okay. There's no punishment. He never, it's okay. You can do whatever you want to do and still go to heaven. And, and that, that's a message in a lot of churches today. And what I'm saying is we got to have, we got to have some, some truth and we got to have some grace. We got to do 
both of them, not just one. So let's kind of let's kind of set the scene for this series today um, of truth and grace, and and uh, calling this first section of the message really a culture gone crazy, because that's that's what we're living in, and that's what Daniel lived in, by the way. Daniel's culture that he was exiled to, the culture of Babylon, was not much different than where we're at in America today. Babylon was a very, it was a culture that was very far from God. They were very sexually immoral. They, um, I mean, pretty crazy when you begin to think about the things that, that, uh, some of the similarities. So it's a very immoral culture. It's a a wicked culture that is uh, um, involved in divination and witchcraft and they had their own kind of gods. And there's a lot of that that's happening in America today. So Daniel and, and the rest of the Jewish people who were exiled there, um, they were exiled there because Israel and Judah had been disobedient to God. Okay, can we just call it for what it was? They were disobedient. Bottom line. They were living against God's values. They were caving into the cultures around them. Um, you can go read Second Chronicles chapter 36 today, and it leads you into the fall of Jerusalem. When Nebuchadnezzar takes them over, they had lived in disobedience to God for 490 years, refusing to obey him. And God keeps sending these prophets, keeps sending these revivalists, and they keep saying, ah, thanks, but no thanks. We're good. We like like our way better. And here's the thing you need to know is that anytime you reject God as king, there will be consequences. Anytime you reject God as king, you will pay the price. There's a price to pay for that, okay? We don't just get off scot-free, all right? And and so here's where we pick up the story in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 says says this kind of leads us into learning a little bit about Daniel. Now, Now, we're studying through the book of Daniel, but this is not all about Daniel, okay? And so let's look at Daniel chapter 1. One through six, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. So he conquered Jerusalem. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. I want you to notice something here. And and along with some of the articles from the temple of the Lord. So so notice this, this phrase, the Lord delivered. And what I want you to understand is that God will sometimes allow you to go through things. Sometimes God will put, he will allow you to be put in a position. He will even allow his church to go through some moments of pain. Well, why would he allow that? So that hopefully you'll come back to him and realize that you aren't as great as you think you are. And that you need him more than you need anything else. Come on, somebody. You're poor in spirit without him. You're poor. We're nothing. We have nothing without him. And so he'll allow us to go through some of these things. And notice that the next verse says that these he carried, these things, these articles, the, the, these utensils that they used in worship to God in the temple, he carried off to, to, to his God in Babylonia. And he put them in the treasure house of his God. And then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some some of the Israelites. So not all of them. They killed many of the Israelites. The ones who were left, uh, the poor ones, the ones who who really didn't have anything to offer the Babylonians, were left back in Jerusalem. And they could live at peace. 
But the ones who were, were what we're about to read about were, were smart and they had, they had a learning ability. They brought back to Babylon. And, uh, and these young men without any physical defect is who he was looking for. I want you to notice he, was, he wasn't looking for the old timers. He was looking for the young men. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. He was looking at uh, without any, people without any physical defect, handsome or showing aptitude. Kind, kind, of, like, kind of sounds like me, don't they? Uh, no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm, every kind of... Y'all didn't have to laugh. Uh, Well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Why was he looking for young men? It's because older people are setting their ways. They're not going to be led astray like some young people could be. Okay, y'all hearing me? So he, he's after the young people who, who he can influence. He wants the young people that he can tell them what they ought to believe. He, he wants the young people who are scrolling three and four hours a day on TikTok and Instagram and all of that. He, needed, he needs some young people that he can indoctrinate. Y'all hearing me? Well, how does he indoctrinate them, Pastor Ben? Through education. He was going to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And I just want to point out that uh, we, we live in a society today. Not every school district, and I'm, I'm thanking God that we're not there yet, but in many school districts across our nation, there is an education taking place of the enemy that just says, hey... It's, it's an education of gender ideology and sexual immorality and these kinds of things that, listen, the enemy has a plan. He has a tactic, and it is against our young people. That's why the church needs to take a stand up for our generation and not, and not allow it to stand firm. So, hey, I want you to give all of them, I want you to give all of them an iPhone and just, and just put them on the latest stuff. Like, give, like, like, put in their feed all of the influencers we want them to follow. Algorithms. Y'all know how all that works, right? Uh, so the king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Some of you are going, man, at least, at least they get to eat at the king's table, right? At least they get some good food, but this is actually not a good thing. Because you've got to remember, these are Jewish people living in a culture that is very different from them. So this culture, the, the, this food would have been against their diet. It would have been, been non-kosher food. And so they're being forced, hey, you're going to eat the food we tell you to eat. You're, you're going to live the kind of life we tell you to live. We're, you're going to believe what we tell you to believe. You're going to live the way we call you to live, right? And, and so they were to be trained for three years... And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, now, do you think if you subscribe to something for three years and you read it every day and you, and you follow that influencer every day for three years, you might start to believe what they believe? So he says, I need three years. I need, that's all I need is three years of them focused energy on what we want to teach them and then they can go into my service. Then they'll be in, indoctrinated. And among those who were chosen were some, of, uh, some from Judah. It was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? And next week... So what you just read was actually the... It's the, it's the um, effect that culture can have on a generation. When, when the culture says, no, you do it our way. No, you, you live by our rules. No, you've got to play our game. 
And next week, we're going we're gonna to look at the signs of a shifting culture, studying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or, or here, their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We're going to study that next week. But today, what I want to do is I want to answer the question, what do we do when culture forces us to choose? When, when culture puts something in front of us, and culture is forcing us to choose, everybody. It's, 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 ma- it's causing us to make a decision. What do we do? And Daniel had an ability to stand firm in his faith. He was able to love well in the middle of a culture that was running far from God. All right? And I, I, but I don't want to necessarily study Daniel today. We're, we're kicking this series off from Daniel chapter 1. We've, we've learned a little bit about what the culture was trying to do to this generation. But there's nobody better in the Bible to learn from on how to have truth and grace than Jesus Christ himself. We can learn from a lot of people, but Jesus did it with, I mean, he was so good at it. Think about this. Jesus was perfect in every way, right? He was holy, he was sovereign, he was righteous, he stood firm for what he believed in, he, he stood up, he never compromised his values, but, but for some reason, the prostitutes were drawn to him, and the tax collectors were drawn to him, and the zealots were drawn to Jesus. He stood firm, but he, he loved well. For, they, they wanted to be around him, they wanted to spend time with Jesus, and so we're going we're gonna to learn how to do that today, but I want to show you, I want to show you this, this kind of theme verse for today on how Jesus was able to do it. John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt, made his dwelling among us. So Jesus came, he was born of a virgin, Mary, and he dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, but what did he come with? He came full of grace and truth. He came full of both of these. So he, it wasn't just about standing firm and, and, and doing it this way. And, and if, you, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. Right? If you don't get right, you're going to get left. <laughs> wasn't that. He also had grace. He had both of these. So we're going to study how did he do it. Let's first define what grace and truth are. Let's start with truth. In your notes, what is truth? It's God's standard. God's standard. All right, so, well, Pastor Ben, what's God's standard? It's the Word. God's standard is the Word of God. So I don't get, I don't get to define God's standard. I don't get to rewrite God's standard. I, I don't get to adjust God's standard. I don't get to shift God's standard. God's standard is already written and it's here, and it's alive, and it's active. It wasn't just alive and active 2,500 years ago. It's alive and active today in 2023, and it has something to say about every part of our lives. It is the firm foundation. It's God's standard, right? And so it's the truth. It, it's the truth. Now, a lot of people would say there, there is no truth. Our culture today says there is no truth. There is no absolute truth, to which I say, are you absolutely sure? How, how can you say there's no absolute, how can you be absolutely sure there's no absolute truth? And you can't, right? So what is, what is truth? Jesus answered that question in John 7, 7, 17, 17. He's praying for the disciples. He's praying for us. And he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is truth. 
Now think about this. Um, two things can be true at the same time, can't they? Have you ever experienced that before? Like two things being true at once? Let me give you an example of that. All right, so, so here's something that is 100% true. That is, every person, everyone is welcome at City Hope Church. That is a truth. Like it doesn't matter. It's like that old Backstreet Boys song. I don't care who you are, what you are, what you, as long as you love me. It's kind of like, like that. City Hope Man, we, we're, we're not here to judge. Every person's welcome. Anything is possible. You don't have to believe before you belong. You can come to church here. We want you to come to church here. That is a truth. There's another truth, and that is this is the authoritative, infallible, perfect word of God, and it is our standard. And what it calls sin, we call sin. And what it says is right, we say is right. Okay? So we live by the word of God. And so I don't get to change the standard. I don't get to make up my own standard. I don't, get to, I don't get to rewrite my own standard. His word is true, and we don't budge on it. We don't change it. It's our standard, all right? And so that's, so that's a truth that supersedes the first truth. That yes, everyone's welcome, but you also need to know that we may all be offended at some point because the word of God is our truth. It's our standard. Now... Um, I heard somebody recently say, yeah, that, uh, they, somebody was telling me that their friend said, yeah, all that church would just take anybody down there. Thank you. Yes. Yes, we will take anybody and we will love the hell out of them. I mean, just love it right on out of them. Come on. Did he just cuss? Oh, my goodness. Y'all, that feel-good church, well, we tried the feel-bad church, and, and what we realized is that um, we didn't want to be judged anymore, right? Come on, somebody. So we're going to talk about judgment in a minute. We're going to talk about judgment. But here's the thing. So God's word is true. It's the standard, but we can't just live, hear me out, we can't just live truth, 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 because then none of us would qualify to come to church. We, would, we wouldn't qualify to be in a relationship with God. And so that's why we need to have grace. Well, what is grace? Grace is God's favor. At the, at the most basic definition, I hope this is helping you where you can use it outside in your workplace and in your families. And you're going to need God's grace in order, to, in order to be present with your family, be present in your school or in the university. You're going to need God's grace. And God's grace is when he gives us favor even though we weren't favorable. He gives us favor when we weren't favorable. He forgives our sin while we were still sinning. Like while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is favor, everybody. And he, and he loves you so much. He, he cares about you so much that he refuses to let anything you do qualify you for heaven. What? Yeah, there's nothing you do that can qualify you for heaven. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't say enough Hail Marys. You can't tithe enough. You can't serve enough in order for God to let you into heaven. The only way you get to heaven is by his grace. That's how you are saved. And it's, and it's when you first believed. That's, that's how, right? That's the only thing. If you want to know what can I do to get to heaven, believe. Be saved by his grace. You can't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. 
And, and salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. Salvation is not about what you do. It's not about perfection. It's not about performance. And it's not about crossing all the, the T's and dotting all the I's. It's about grace. It's grace. So what I want to do is just kind of help you understand why we need both of these. Why do we need grace and truth? Here's a couple reasons why. In your notes, without truth, we become worldly. We need truth because if we don't have it, we're just, we're worldly. And if we're worldly, then how will anybody know the fruit of Christianity? If we look like the rest of the world. How will anybody know the goodness of God if we look just like everybody else? If we act just like everybody else? Are you following me? So... So without truth, we're worldly. I need someone to point out my blind spots. I need somebody. That's why small groups are so important. I need somebody to say, hey, I think you're missing it here. Hey, I see an area of growth. Hey, I, I think God wants to do something in this part of your life. And all of us here, by the way, we need God's word. Every one of us here, we have problems. We have issues that only God's word can deal with. Like, I need God's word in my marriage. I need his word in my mind. I need his words in my thoughts. I need his words in, my, in, in, in every part for my kids. I need his word. And I don't, I don't get to decide what the truth is. I need his standards. So without, without it, I'm worldly, right? We need God's truth. But here's the second thing is that without grace, we become judgmental. We become judgmental. We start looking at everybody else and, and we're going, well, at least I'm not like him. <laughs> we, so we say things like, I mean, I know I make some mistakes, you know, every once in a while. And, you know, I fall occasionally. But uh, at least I ain't like him. <laughs> and we start to judge others, right? We start to compare ourselves to other people. And, you know, when, when we started City Hope Church, before we ever had a service... We did a survey, and we asked, we, we did it online, it was an online survey, and we asked people, hundreds of people responded, tell us why you don't go to church. And the number one reason was because you're judgmental. You're judgmental, you're hypocrites, you all vote for Trump, and that's why we don't go. <laughs> that's what they, that's one of the, bunch of comments were like that, you're just a bunch of Republicans, that's why we don't go. That's not the kind of church God wants. He wants a church full of Republicans and Democrats and independents. And he wants a church that's multicultural, multi-ethnic. Come on. But we get judgmental when we start looking alike. But they don't look like us. They don't act like us. You didn't dress right coming to church today. I'm going to move on. Without, without grace, we're judgmental. Uh, without truth, we're corrupt. Anything goes. You can do anything. Oh, it doesn't matter. God will forgive it. Sure. You can, you can say that, do that, be there. You can, you can whatever. It's okay. But without grace, we're condemned. Man, there's no hope. When we don't have grace, I can't do anything right. I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. Do you see the difference here? All right? Without... A truth without grace is mean. You're just going to tell them like it is. But grace without truth is meaningless. One more. 
Grace invites us to be free. Grace says, hey, I know what you did last night. And I'm so glad you're here today. Grace says, I, I know where you were. I know how you treated your spouse. And I'm so glad you're in church today. Grace invites you to be free, but it's the truth that actually says, but hey, you can't keep doing that. You can't keep living that kind of lifestyle. It's going to lead you to a path of destruction. Come on. That's what truth is. It, it, it sets you free. And so what I want to do today is I want to close with a story of, of Jesus and how he did both of these, how he had truth and grace. All right? And it's the story of uh, a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. You've probably heard the story before. It's in John chapter 8. Verse 1 through 11 says that, that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. So he's at church the next day, and a crowd soon gathers, and, and he sits down, and he's, he's teaching them. He's teaching them the Word of God. He's preaching to all of these people. And then all of a sudden, as he's speaking, the teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Now, that's one way to deal with sin. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if when you told your small group, somebody in your small group that you had a sin problem, and they said, well, we got to bring you before the church. I I'm out. That doesn't happen here, by the way. But that's the fear that a lot of people have is everybody will find out. So it keeps you in a cycle of shame and denial. And for this woman, we don't know how long she's been living this kind of lifestyle. And we don't know how in the world she got caught. That's a whole other story. You know what I'm talking about? Like, what were the Pharisees doing? Let me have a look. Let me have a look. Let's, let's quit, Thaddeus. It's my turn. <laughs> but how did they catch her? <laughs> they throw her in front of the crowd. They demand that Jesus, you got to do something about this woman. They said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says you should stone her. You, you should, the law says you're supposed to put her to death. What do you say, Jesus? Now here, I want you to notice something. They're trying to trap Jesus. All right? Because the law did say she should die for this sin this action what do you say Jesus are you going to go with the law and are you going to kill her and then her blood will be on your hands are you going to do that or are you going to go with grace and let her off the hook and break the law they're trying to trap him so trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dirt with his finger he, he steps down we don't know what he's writing I wish I wish we had video evidence of it would be awesome they kept demanding an answer so he stood up he's writing in the dirt he stands up and he says okay 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 you can kill her alright you can kill her you can stone her but I want the one who has never sinned to throw the first stone. When we read that story, we look at, we look at all of those 
those religious leaders, those Pharisees, and we realized that, that every one of them had sinned. There was only one person there that day who was not, who had never sinned. There was only one person who was perfect, who had kept the law. There was only one person, and that was Jesus. And he didn't throw the first stone. He could have. Grace. So he stooped down again and he writes in the dust some more. I like to imagine that he's writing all of their sins, all of the Pharisee's sins, all of their mistresses. Sally. <laughs> Herodias. <laughs> Ooh, Jezebel. He's writing, writing their names. I don't know what he's writing, right? But he's writing something. And then he, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. He answers them in such a way that they have no response. He answers them in such love and compassion. And, and please hear me, when God, when Jesus deals with us, he, he deals with us in such a loving, compassionate, non-humiliating way. He doesn't drag you out in front of the crowd and, and say, go ahead and confess it. Tell everybody what you did, you sicko. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He says, where are your accusers? Where are they? Where, where are your accusers? And she, he says, didn't even one of them condemn you? I mean, didn't anybody condemn you and she says no Lord no one condemned me and Jesus says neither do I grace go and sin no more truth neither do I I'm so glad you're here today you're in the right place I know what you did last night and I love you more than ever. I saw what you were looking at on your phone yesterday. And I'll never quit loving you more than I love you right now. I know that you had too much to drink over the weekend and it's a problem in your life. But I'm so glad you're here today. I saw where you were in the relationship with you had. I know that you went too far. And I'm so glad that you're in church this morning. Don't sin no more. It's time to leave that life of sin. It's time to, I, I, I see the struggle that you have with prescription pain meds and, and I know it's a real issue for you and I don't want you to keep going down that path anymore. And so I'm, I'm here today with some grace to tell you that I, I see you and I love you and I'll never stop loving you. I want the best for you, but hey, there's a life full of future and hope for you too. And it, and it requires, it requires a change. That's the kind of God we serve. Grace and truth. He loves us as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay as we are. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful for that? Can we give God praise? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today and close your eyes? Father, right now, just pray for every one of us. Lord, we're, this room is full of people today like me who have struggles 
and there are some things that we feel so strong about and maybe we are really hard on the truth side but we need some grace we need some grace for people who don't believe like us who people who don't live like us people who have different values and opinions than us God there's some people in the room today that they, they're all about that grace they, they love the grace that they have but they have no truth there's there's no life change happening. There's no fruit that's happening with this relationship that they have with you. And God, I'm praying right now that you'd speak to each person independently. Use this message. Let it speak to the hearts of every person here today. God, I'm praying that you would let us be like Jesus, it, to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus, that we could have truth and grace, that we could love and stand firm. We could stand firm and love well at the same time. I'm praying for strength to do that. Lord, over this series, God, I'm asking you to speak to our hearts, to change our lives, to mold us and make us in, a, in any area where we are not like you, any area where we are putting up with some things that are really holding us back. We're putting up with some things that are really dragging us down. God, I pray that through this series, you would sever those things by the truth of the Word of God and we would step into life change, step into hope, that we could, that we could be the kind of believers that the world wants to be around. We would be the kind of Christians that the world wants to, to spend time with, God, that we would, we would walk in truth and grace. In Jesus' name, and with your head still bowed, maybe today, maybe you're here, and maybe for you, you... You need to step into truth today. Maybe for you, you've, you've been in the grace and maybe you've been taking advantage of God's grace. He's a good God. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He gave His Son for you, Jesus Christ. He gave it all for you. That, that, that if you would confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Grace and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Truth, go and sin no more. And you're here today and you're ready to receive the grace of God. You're, here to, you're, you're ready to receive all that Christ died to give you. A new life in Christ. A new hope in Christ. A, a fresh start with Him. And maybe you're far from God. Maybe you're, maybe you're feeling the weight of your sin and decisions that you've made in life. And you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're ready for truth to take hold. You're ready for life change. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to boldly slip up your hand. One two, three. Come on. Slip up your hand. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Every hand is up. There's a, there's a lot of hands up, church. Father, I thank you for every hand. Come on, lift it up high. I'm proud of you. Be bold, courageous. So proud of every hand that's up. Stepping into destiny today. Stepping into hope. Stepping into life change. Stepping into truth. God, I thank you for every hand that's up. Right, with your hands down, I want every person in the room today say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus... I give you my life. I surrender. I'm giving you complete control. I want your truth in my life. So will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. From this day forward, I will live for you. I will serve you. I will trust you. I will obey you the best that I know how. I choose to live in truth and grace. I need your help today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen.